Welcome to the Rest, Eat, Move podcast by On Target Living. Well, welcome everybody. It's Stephen Glenn, the creative director here at On Target Living, and uh, I'm joined by Chris Johnson today, and uh, we're going to go over some common questions that um, I've kind of collected. Um, I did a search of the top things Googled, and I asked around, and I came up with a whole list of them. And uh, a little bit of my backstory. So um, I joined the team about three years ago here at On Target Living. And um, prior to that, I ran my own photo and video company. And I was traveling all over, and I was working crazy hours. And uh, you know, On Target Living approached me, and they offered me a great position. And um, you know, they I was very interested in joining because I wanted to be healthier myself and you know, learn everything they teach. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, so, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great. I see you have your uh, wheatgrass over there. I do. Uh, we just got a fresh cooler in, and uh, here <laughs> yeah, we the just office. got the batch yesterday, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I had to dive into it. Now, the other thing too, you're telling about your backstory, but the other thing you really didn't. Were you doing wheatgrass before you joined here? No, but you know, I did do a lot of juicing. You did, yeah. And um, I, the thing that's difficult about juicing is the just sheer amount of fruit and everything you need to get. You always need to go to the store and get a ton of stuff. So the nice thing about the frozen wheatgrass is it's super dense and you can kind of just drink it. And for me, it's very reminiscent of the flavor I miss from juicing, so. But I remember when you first came in here, um, we were talking about the cod liver oil. Yeah. And one of the things you, you know, because everybody when they come in for a little bit, it's like a shock. Like, what are we doing here at this headquarters? We got cod liver oil, we got wheatgrass. Kind of we talk about that, we promote it, we, we have it, that's our product. Um, but I remember you came up with the idea, why don't we put a video together about what cod liver oil tastes like. And so you brought in a, a variety of different people in there and it was a, it's and it's on our website now, but it was a funny video. Yeah. And you you did a great job of putting it together. But when people watch that for the first time, they're like, this is funny because most people like when we do we do live events, as you know, the audience is afraid of it. You talk about the benefits of it, this and that, and then all of a sudden they get to try it at the end and they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't taste bad at all. So Anyway, that's kind of what I think when you came in here, you know, like, here's the wheatgrass, here's the cod liver oil, you know, Mark's downstairs with our e-commerce. What are we doing? What's this? Again, you've learned a lot in the probably the last three years. Yeah, crazy amount. And you're, you do a heck of a great job trying to make us, you know, look good. So it's not always easy. <laughs> it's easier than you think. <laughs> so uh, I think we should dive into the questions. Um, so... Again, these are not necessarily my personal questions, um, you know, but a lot of these did kind of reinforce, you know, I'd like to think I'm a pretty smart guy and pretty knowledgeable at this point. But some of these, I admit, I kind of generally know, but I don't really know that much. So I think this is a great opportunity, even if they seem very basic for everyone to kind of learn that next level down. So the first question is, why do we actually need to drink water? What does it do? What does it prevent? Well, the other thing you got to tell everybody, I don't know these questions you're going to ask me, right? Yeah. So you asked me, do you want to know the questions I'm going to ask you? And I said, no, I'm going to be just... So these are all like right off the top of my well, head. I hope you know how to answer this one. I hope so. Or we're in trouble, right? Um, so when you think about water, you know, if you looked at hierarchy needs, we can't survive without breathing and sleeping in water. 
And so the human body doesn't, we can last a long time without food, but the body starts shutting down. So the number one benefit of water is the brain is made of 50% water. You know, all your organs, it's way it clean, cleans the body. Body instantly speeds up. Every cell in the human body needs to be hydrated. And so when you don't have enough water in the body, everything starts to shut down. Your organs shut down, everything starts to shut down. And you would think about the lymphatic system, you know, a big part of keeping your lymphatic system clean, your immune system and everything else, is you gotta have enough water. Right. So between this at the cellular level. So the big thing when people think about water, number one, it's detoxifying, it's cleansing. It's energizing because, again, back to the brain. And um, when we start getting hydrated, you know, I always tell people this. About 90 to 95% of people come to the emergency rooms today, not COVID, it's directly related to dehydration and all the side effects that come with it. So it's a big deal. And like you said, um, what's, the, what's the big deal about water? Everybody thinks they know that. But I always tell everybody 50 ounces of water is the minimum because if you're not getting 50 ounces of water a day, your lymph can't work right. Your digestion can't work right. Your pH gets out of balance. Everything else goes with that. But it all begins at the cell level, not having enough water. How do you recommend people get their 50 ounces? What's the best? What's your kind of recommendation? Well, kind of like what you're doing right now. You have that wheatgrass, you know, my wife Paula. I suck on the wheatgrass ice cubes. That's how I like it. Yeah. But it's a nice way for her to start the morning off when she drinks enough water. So, again, I think we need to think about water. And when you get behind, you get behind. You can't really catch up. Yeah. So to me, I have to put the water in front of me. So I have the water in front of me. It's easy. And I really am aware of it. It's probably the biggest challenge I have from a nutrition standpoint. Am I drinking enough water throughout my day? So my minimum every day is 60 ounces. I try to get closer to 80 ounces. But that's my minimum. And I had to, had to put it my, in front of me. So if I don't put it in front of me, you know, the next thing you know, it's 11 a.m., and I haven't drank much water, but I start my morning off every day with about eight ounces of water. So I'm always trying yeah. to get ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned from you is um, it's about creating an environment. Like when I did sales back in the day, it's like you'd walk into the office after you had your coffee at home and no water, right? You had your coffee, you get into the office and there's coffee there. And then so you have your cup of coffee and then you're busy, you get going down your day and then you're like, my coffee's out, I need more coffee. So then you get well, more coffee and then, you're, and then you're like, I haven't drank any water, so let me get a glass of water. And then, you know, by that point, it's already noon and you've got a headache and you're like, why did I do this to myself? But I didn't have a bottle of water sitting there. I didn't drink the water before I drank the coffee. I drank too much coffee. So it just, you're setting yourself up to not get enough water. Yeah, and I think when you were talking about behavior change, one of the things we talk about is support systems. And so it's the personal support, social support, but then you gotta create that environment that helps you that. So one of the reasons we have weak rest here at the office is that we want the whole entire team to have access to it, or we have a gym. You know, we have our own gym here. Why is that? Well, we do trainings and things like that here, but also we want it for our team. Or we have a, a, a nice table bench padded, so if you wanna go in and take a little nap or work on your breathing, whatever. So again, it, you're exactly right. It's, you gotta create that environment. Awesome. So um, the next question that, um, admittedly, this is something that I think a lot of people um, they kind of ignore or they don't they don't know where to start and it's how do I actually assess my health? And maybe that's partially self-assessment. Maybe it's, you know, with working with your medical provider, but how do I assess my health? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they said, 
if you ask most people in the United States, about 83% of the United States population, if you just use the U.S., would say their health is not very good. So it means 17% of our population thinks their health is pretty good. What is that? How do you assess that? So if they're already saying it's bad, it's probably even worse than that. So the first thing I always talk to people about is we all have blind spots. And what are they? And it could be as simple as, are you a chest breather or are you a belly breather? Most people don't know that. You breathe through your nose, your mouth. But when you start bringing these things up, they start to think, hmm, I didn't know that. I didn't know that I shouldn't be breathing through my mouth more than I am. Or I only get, if I ask them, tell me about your sleep. And they'll say, and, uh, how many hours do you actually get to sleep? Is it quality? So now we're getting into, because it's not always coming from a blood test. You know, your cholesterol profile or your triglycerides or homocysteine or whatever it is. That's, that's another assessment. You know, a lot of people don't know they don't get enough rest when I hit them right in the forehead that their testosterone level for men or women is really low, I already know they're probably not getting enough rest, recovery, not enough sleep. So there's a lot of blind spots we all have. The big one I always try to most people is, let me ask you a question, what's your energy like? And that's really hard to, but most people tell you, it's not very good, that's why I have to drink all the coffee every day. Or mm. is your sleep really broken? And if you know the sleep's broken, and their energy not good, they're probably not eating well. So it doesn't take long to kind of, and so in my new book, I have a whole chapter in there, Your Health Keeps Score. It does keep score, and it's not always coming from a blood test. So that question is, step number one is, if you really were honest with yourself, how would you assess your health? Can you get up, get up and off the floor? Do you have any mobility, flexibility? What's your strength like? You know, I always tease Dawn, can you hang from a bar? That's a great assessment of strength. So again, there's all these blind spots we have that we all have them, but you step back for a second. And we all know definitely during COVID, when you don't have your health, you don't have a whole lot. So to me, it is a, just step back for a second. If you had to rate yourself on a one to 10 scale, where would you be? Hmm. And then if you rate yourself at a, you know, less than a seven, would you like to be an eight? So that's the first thing I was, like I had a, a guy I was working with not too long ago, and I asked him, what's getting in the way for you to feel better? And we sat there for a minute with complete dead silence because I didn't want to butt in. I wanted to let him tell me. And then it started spilling out. He started pulling all those things out that what's getting in the way. So that's a fantastic question. If you took the time and assessed that, you know, you'll ask people, we know this all the time, we listen to Dave Ramsey and whatever, people assess their, we work in the financial services. People have no problem assessing their financial health, right, most people. Yeah, if you can't pay rent, then you can't know, pay rent, you know, you know you're, you're yeah. not doing well. You can't pay your car payment, you don't have any, you know, you don't have an emergency fund or whatever it goes on, but do you, ever step back and assess your health? And I think that's a question hopefully um, the viewers and listeners today can maybe step back and say, where is it and am I satisfied with it? Oh, hey, there's Anna. I wonder what she's up to. Hey, Anna, what are you up to? I'm making a smoothie right now. It's the mint chocolate chip smoothie. That's the one with the cacao nibs in it. Have you ever heard of them? 
Oh yeah, tell me more about that. What are cacao nibs? Yeah, so did you know that they may be the number one source of magnesium of any food on the planet? And they also are naturally mood boosting and they provide natural energy as well. No way, that's so cool. And you put this in your smoothie? Yeah, I just add it in and then I sprinkle some on top. And I actually got them from the shop. They're 20% off right now all the way until December. Sweet, thanks. Available at shop.ontargetliving.com. My next question that I think probably segues pretty well into is, is it ever too late to take care of my health? No, never. So I remember Dr. Jeffrey Bland, the integrated medicine uh, doctor that Matt interviewed years ago or, you know, a year or so ago, whatever. He's, <laughs> yeah, that's a great podcast. Yeah, fantastic podcast. If you guys haven't listened to it, listen, check it out. It's, it's on, with, on Target Living. Yeah, it's on Target Living podcast yeah. with uh, my son, Matt. But I remember Jeffrey Bland talking about the immune system and hematology and talked about white blood cells and the body turns over, you know, every 10 seconds not 10 minutes, every 10 seconds, the body's turning over a million white blood cells. Every 10 seconds, the body's turning over uh, 20 million red blood cells. And every 10 seconds, the body's turning over 30 million platelet cells. So that tells you right away that the body has an ability to rejuvenate and and get better. And so wherever you are in your health, the body is still trying to improve. And, um, And so sometimes I look at as I get older, turn 64 in a couple weeks, can I, can I, am I going to be as strong and fast and stuff as I was in my thirties? No, but I still can make strides and try to get better. And I've seen that with people, they've got off a medication, they were on these medications. Now they're not on these medications. That tells you right away that the body has ability to heal itself. So I'm more passionate about that than I've ever been that the body, no matter where you are today, mental health, physical health, whatever it is, you can get better by taking some small steps. Yeah. So one thing, this is just an observation of mine. I know a lot of people, you know, I, I can tell I'm fairly young, but I can tell the difference between myself now and where I'm 18. And it's very easy to be like, I can't do the things I used to do. Therefore, I might as well not try to do other things. And, you know, I'm sure there are things where you're like, I definitely can't do this, but I used to. Um, what advice do you have for people that are like, you know, I'm just... I'm caught between my idea of what's healthy and and what where my biological age is and my physical age and all that good stuff. Well, you know, again, you're kind of getting into my new book, but you know, I spent a lot of time at the beginning talking about your health begins in the mind because it does. But you can never wait. You know, like I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to start eating better when all the stars and the moon everything lines up. Never going to happen. So you almost have to think about I got to take an action. Because the action will slowly over time change your emotion. People always want to get their emotion right and to take an action. No, it all starts with an action. If you put your clothes at the, you know, at the back door and you're going to go for a walk. So I'm going to take Floyd for a walk. Got his collar there. Got my shoes there. Got my coat there. I got my gloves there. It's easy. Just go take, take him for a walk. But if I go, well, you know, it's kind of raining outside and, you know, I don't, you, know I, you can see you just get paralyzed. And so more and more people, when you talk about health, they have to just, I just got to take action. And then, and it could be tiny actions, you know, it just could be setting my toothbrush or my floss in front of me. 
And if I do that, that tiny little thing will make me hopefully take an action. So I think the big thing for a lot of people, what gets in their way is they get they can't analyzing too much. You know, I'm going to try to, no, just go, go walk for five minutes or drink some water or whatever. These tiny little actions lead into, you know, things along the way. And I think that's where people get in, in trouble. And when you think about as we age, I wrote this chapter called Ducks on a Pro- Frozen Pond. And I'm going to be 64, and do I snow ski? Like, you know, I always go skiing with John O'Leary and Matt Kahn and Walt and these guys that, you know, are great. You know, I've been skiing for a long time with. None of us get in the air anymore unless it's an accident. We used to jump, you know, and whatever. We don't do any of that anymore. Has that changed? Absolutely. Do I play basketball anymore? No, it's probably not the greatest thing for my body. But the ducks in the frozen pond means that the ducks don't want to fly south because it's easier to sit on that pond, but all of a sudden winter kicks in, the, the, the lake freezes and the ducks' feet are frozen on the pond. So what happens for many people as they get older, they start shrinking their pond and they keep doing less and less. And reality is we're all aging, we're all gonna shrink that pond, but I don't wanna shrink that pond before it's you know time. So I'm always having the growth mindset that, hey, how can I get a little bit better? What, can, what one or two things can I do a little differently than I didn't do before? I brought the juicer in. Why did I bring the juicer in? Because I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, I used to juice a lot. You were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. So I'm going to start juicing here as a team. But these are all little itty bitty things that hopefully keeps my pond pretty wide. So if someone in their head thinks, you know, um, like I'm I'm a lost cause, you know, I'm I'm too far gone, I'm I'm whatever. What what do you what would you say? Like, what's a shift in their mind they need to make so that they can take action? Well, I think for most people, if you can just get them to start to believe that if they take one little step, not 10, not five, one little step, and you develop a process, then, and it's not hard, and they can follow that, then, then they have to start believing it will work. If they truly believe it will work, it will work. You know, and I've seen this major transformation with so many people over the years. But the big thing I had to get them to do is believe. You just start believing and you follow this process because I've made the mistakes. I know kind of what doesn't work and what does work. So that's the key. Um, And never are they too far gone. Never. You always can get better. So as simple as working on your balance or learning how to blow up a balloon so you have more diaphragmatic strength in your in your lungs these are all little baby steps you can you know get with people but it really begins with the belief and that's what you see in all athletics you see that michigan state you know mel tucker i think everybody's starting to believe that michigan state is a force but i think mel thought about michigan state being a force a long time ago sure so that's the thing i see with more and more you know professional amateur athletics or just overall health is that when people start changing how they believe you know that's the big thing but many people want to nail their box of beliefs shut and then what was me I, i can't get any better my life's over you got to open that box up and when you do that and they think about what's possible and they now maybe even get into a growth mindset then that gets exciting for people yeah so one one uh, thing that I really enjoy about our organization is 
I feel like everyone on our team has a growth mindset. And, um, you know, we're not all perfect, but I think everyone's box of beliefs isn't nailed down too firmly. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really, that's really a nice environment for, for growth. You know, I've seen, um, our coworkers and myself and everyone, everyone's just always learning new things and everyone's collaborating. And I think, you know, if, if people are, are the type of people that are like, you know, it's my way or the highway and I don't want to grow or learn. It does make it difficult to change, doesn't it? Well, again, part of any organization, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. I got a new book and it's called The Founder's Mentality. And I remember when I worked at the Michigan Athletic Club and Carl Porter was our, you know, the boss and, you know, brought us in. And one day I'm talking to him. I'm actually talking to his wife, Paula, because I love Paula and I love Carl. And but Paula says, you know, Carl never has to worry about you because you feel like you own the you own the Mac. Yeah, I kind of felt that way. Yeah, I mean, it's all in my hands. I can make it as successful as we got great people. We got this and that. It's, don't let anything get in your way. So it's the same thing with you. You know, you and I've had this conversation multiple times. Do whatever you think, you know. But, you know, sometimes we'll have to come to Matt and put it in a format. Okay. But I want you to think about what is possible. Mark downstairs when we think about essentials, what what is possible? So again, if you, I think that that's kind of how I like to to roll, is that I don't want to be stifled. Now, will we have stupid ideas or not so great ideas? Probably, but if you have that growth mindset, it's kind of fun. Yeah, you know what is possible, and and that's why um, we're doing what we do and surrounding the team. But for me, that's what makes work coming into work every day fun you know yeah, I get to see you sure. and you know we're talking about different, different things and you'll say hey have you ever thought about this this is how this podcast originated you know do we sure. have all the ideas but we have a nice team that everybody kind of bounces ideas off of and um and everybody feels I think that hopefully they feel safe enough to do whatever they want to do yeah I think that's a that's a great example that's one thing that you know I've in in a work environment you look for and you know a relationship you look for that but I think in health, sometimes, you know, we we kind of forget, like, it's okay if we did that diet that was a flop and we spent a bunch of money and we put a lot of faith into a diet and then we lost 20 pounds and then we gained it right back. It's okay. You know, that's all part of the process. And, you know, just like if, you know, if we, we make a podcast episode and and people are like, that was kind of lame, you know. It's okay. We're just trying things and, and we're trying to provide value and do things that people hopefully enjoy. But I think with health, you know, a lot of us, we just, we're just not willing to give ourselves that grace and, and just say, you know, I'm moving on and I'm going to keep making mistakes. And I'm going to keep growing. Well, you just said it. I mean, the best thing you have to do is when you're developing a process, you have to make mistakes because you don't know how the recipe tastes unless you taste the recipe. Yeah. And so what I think people get paralyzed sometimes is I, I got to be perfect. I got to have the perfect workout or I got to have the perfect diet or I got a perfect, you know, whatever. No. Sometimes I think these wearables, I think, can be great, but also they can be very stressful for people. Like, is my sleep really that great? No. You kind of know your sleep's not really that great. Some people like to really measure stuff. Some people don't. But I think having the mistake, so what? Make a mistake. I always say to people, you know, like, if people come to me and they're doing this diet or that diet, I'm like, hey, what have you learned? What did you learn about it? What do you like about it? Sure. How do you learn how to pivot? Because if you don't make mistakes, you don't know how to pivot. 
And the key thing we teach here at Ontario Living is we don't want to tell you exactly what to do because it won't work. <laughs> right. There's enough of that out there. Where our goal is to help maybe create that awareness, the blind spots, and then try something out if it doesn't work. You don't like the wheatgrass. Figure out how you can make it you know, better for you. So, uh, but yeah, I, I completely agree. You got to make mistakes. You got to pivot and don't beat yourself up. People are nervous about health. Why? Why are you afraid of health? Like if I come into a conference and I'm the keynote speaker on this, I can tell you, you've been there. 20% of the audience is going, why are we talking about health today in this business conference? Well, it's fundamental foundational pillar. That's what we believe. But what do they believe? So when we come in and do our stuff, many times they're like, this is not what I thought it would be like. But they already have that thought that, you know, but I'm here to tell you, hey, let's do one thing at a time. Don't be afraid. If you make a mistake, try it again, do it whatever. But I think people got to get that in their brain that it's okay to, you know, make some mistakes. What have you learned? To me, my greatest you know, if I look at writing a book or whatever, we, we've made all the mistakes. Kind of know that doesn't work, right? Right. Or if I tell you exactly what to eat or how to exercise, that's not going to work. Done that. Just doesn't work. You got to make it yourself. We're just the guide. They're the hero. Yeah. You know, one thing, um, you know, back to what we talked about earlier, how you assess your health. One thing that I've noticed is a lot of people have avoidance of knowing where they stand. It's kind of like, uh, you know, your check engine light comes on. You're like, well, I'm not taking my car in. I'm not. I don't want to stop by the. I don't even (laughs) want to change my oil now. You're like, I don't want to even bring it in there. The guy's going to yell at me for not taking care of my car. Like people just have they have this anxiety about not knowing. But what if you did know and you knew exactly where your car stood? You knew exactly how much the damage would be on the bill. You knew exactly what needed to be done next year. If we did that with our health, you know, would things be different? Well, if you think about it, we spent about four trillion dollars last year on healthcare, and really, it's more sick care, right? If you looked at how much do we spend on prevention, it's less than a half percent. So why are we not spending more resources, energy, focus on prevention? Because it's always easier to fix the problem, you know, before it becomes a problem. So I think sometimes our whole medical world is kind of geared that way. You break your arm, you fix the arm versus let's just do a little more prevention. So when I think for many, many people, the reason they don't get, they have to have the courage to assess. So if I am, you know, I tell this story about Eric and the Biggest Loser. He didn't step on the scale for almost two years after he won the Biggest Loser. Well, he didn't have any idea that he gained all of his weight back. He was 400 and some pounds, got down to under 200, lost 200 pounds, won the biggest loser. And then a year and a half, almost two years later, he got on the scale and he's over 400 pounds again. So we all have to have ways to assess where we're at or measure, but we have to have the courage. And that's not always easy, especially I find that for many men, they don't want to get their blood tests because they don't want to know what's wrong. When reality is, hey, just have the courage to measure and then maybe we can pay attention to this, this area that you probably need a little work on. Yeah. But again, it gets back to the having the courage to measure. And sometimes we all need that courage. Do I really want to get on that scale? Do I really want to put on those pair of pants? Whatever the measuring tool is, we got to have the courage to, to step there and sure. get in that arena. 
sure. and that's not always easy. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, you know, I think uh, it may have been you or maybe it was Coach Tab, but um, someone was telling me, uh, you know, to be careful on how much you're measuring. Like, don't get anxiety about, like, am I checking my weight every day? Did I gain a pound last night from the last time I measured? You know, like not to over, not to worry about the numbers, but to just know where you're at and then just slowly work towards better. Yeah, I think the big thing you're saying right there is that we get so caught up in the outcome, but we're not focusing on the process. So I always tell people, yeah, I want you to, you know, you can measure, get a pair of pants if the goal is to lose weight, but don't worry about that. If you do this over here, that will take care of this over here. And so we get so caught up in the outcome. You know, Matt and Mark are really good golfers. Tab and I love golf. But we're not at that level of golf. So, but it's so funny. You go out and play sometimes, and Tab and I will go out. We don't really care about the outcome. We just go out and play, and it's incredible how well we play. But then we go focus on the outcome, and now we start playing bad. So you could take that in any arena. Improving your health is is that is like, quit worrying about losing weight. Let's just focus on drinking enough water, moving your body, eating some whole foods. If you do that process. Or if you're trying to get a better night's sleep, let's just set up your environment to have better night's sleep. So when people start doing that, they focus on the process, not on the outcome. And then there's not that anxiety. Anxiety is all about the fear of the future, right? Yeah. So if I don't worry about that future, I just worry about the present, right? In the moment, the process. And that's, you know, like when I compete in bodybuilding, if I was so focused on the outcome here, I'm competing in 14 weeks. I don't worry about that. All I worry about is if I do this, I'm going to be ready. And my first couple contests, I was so worried about that. But then I realized, it's just follow the process, and it works every freaking time. Right. And it did. Right. And then I was not anxious at all. I was just like, hey, this follow the process, and I'm really I'm in a good spot. So that's a perfect segue into my next question. If I feel I look good, does that mean I'm healthy? No, no. I mean, people, you know, like I'll I'll use the bodybuilding arena. There's a lot of bodybuilders that look really good up on stage, but they're so far away. So for me, sometimes I felt like I was like an anti-bodybuilder diet-wise. I'd eat my oatmeal. I'd eat my bananas, my raisins. I would, you know, eat fruit. I'd eat potatoes. I would do everything that all the bodybuilders weren't doing because I didn't want to sacrifice my health to get up on stage and look good. So many times people are doing lots of things to get in that position. They're drinking too much caffeine, energy drinks, decrease their calories, not sleeping, you know, lots of things to look good, but not necessarily be healthy. And what we always try to convince people that you can, if you get healthy, you will probably look good. (laughs) Does that make sense? Right. Versus let's not focus so much on looking good. Let's focus on getting healthy your skin looks great, your hair is great, you feel good, you have less inflammation, you start sleeping better, that will all take care of itself. Yeah. But I think sometimes we get so focused on you know, the look, and again, it's easy to, I'm just going to lose weight and whatever, I'm going to do anything I can to lose that weight, but reality is, you know, is your soul being nourished? Sure. Is your body being nourished? Is your mind nourished? Do you feel good? Sure. Like an example would be, um, if you don't eat carbs and you eat 1,200 calories 
a day, you're going to lose weight and you're going to look thin. And, you know, from the outside, you could be like, you know, I look great. I feel great. I look better than I did, whatever. But does that mean you're actually healthy? You're nourished? Yeah, I've seen many people who've worked over the years that they look, if you look from the outside, they look great. And then you get their homocysteine levels, their oxidation levels through the roof testosterone i worked with an endurance woman years ago her testosterone level was like nine so again overtraining, look good overtraining, not feeling good energy levels low not sleeping but if you really go under checked under the hood probably not a great bunch of good stuff going on you know mm-hmm. energy's not good they don't feel good whatever but they look good yeah and you know as a this is probably a bigger conversation than we're gonna have but our society really is focused on how people look. When you think about exercise and eating, it's like, do you look good or not? You know, there's all this pressure around you to look good. Um, one thing that I learned is you guys talk about feeling good. And, you know, chances are, like you said, if you feel good, if you're, if you're nourished, if you're taking care of yourself, you're working out, you're eating well, you're doing everything else, you're probably gonna look good also. So if that's important to you, then there's a way to do it without just saying, what's what's a crash course to get me into a certain pant size or a certain measurement or whatever? Yeah, I think Matt talks about this a lot. And I look at sometimes my father, um, he's been gone now uh, almost 11 years. But my dad used to always say to me, you know, you really feel good, don't you? And he never really knew what it felt like to feel good. And so the new book, my new book that comes out is the tagline is you have the power to feel your best. So it wasn't about losing weight, this, we want you to feel good. And then many people don't quite understand what does that feel like. And when they get that feeling, because we all know, like you get up in the morning and the birds are chirping, the sun's shining, it's a new spring day, um, we've had great night's sleep, we've hydrated, we eat and we move our body. We just, you just feel good. but how do we get that feeling more consistently and so it's really the process of doing that like am i do i breathe the way i should or am i eating or sleeping whatever and so what we found that many people when they feel really good then everything else starts to fall in place you know and so sometimes once they get that feeling because the think about why do we mask our feelings and again we all do that certain ways we mask it with food we mask it with alcohol drugs whatever Lots of reasons we change our state, as Tony Robbins always talks about. But that's really, to me, my driver for many things is I I just like feeling good. And some days I get off kilter and I don't like how I feel. I didn't sleep well. I didn't drink enough water, as you mentioned earlier. I'm not, I kind of got out of my rhythm and everybody gets out of the rhythm. But then when I get back into my rhythm, I'm like, okay, here we go again. You know, my rhythm is here and you start feeling better. Yeah. One thing that I really like is um, you guys talk about using health like it's a tool. Like, I don't think we really talk about it in those terms, but if you want to play with your grandkids, use your health. You know, if you want to do better at work, you want to perform better at work and do more of whatever you need to do, use your health. You know, if you want to run a race, use your health. If you want to feel like you look good, use your health, you know, like all the, your health really just allows you to get whatever you want in life and to, to, you know, steer the ship in the direction you want to go. 
So I think that's really powerful. And, you know, everyone has different reasons. Like I don't necessarily want to look ripped, but I want to feel good and I want to be able to, you know, carry things when I need to carry it. And I want to, if yeah. I want to hop a fence, I want to hop a fence, you know, like yeah. I just want to, I want to be mobile. And then, so that's, what's important to me. Other people, you know, they, um, you know, like they may just say, I just want to always be able to tie my own shoes. And you know, if that's, that's your driver, then that's, that's really great. But I think what you're saying, that's what you have to find for people. I think when Matt and Barry came up with the title of the book capacity, is kind of like, okay, do I want to have the capacity to tie my shoes or the capacity to, you know, run with my grandkids or whatever. And you think about corporate America, that's why we wrote the book capacity because many organizations, well, we'll get to the health when we have a time, but reality is foundational. You know, imagine if your entire workforce, I mean, we did this with AT&T or some of these organizations we work with, um, but once they get their foundational, people start feeling better, then everything gets better. Their workout gets better, they're, you know, they feel better at work, they're not as grouchy, they're not anxious, they're this, that, mental health right now we know is a big deal. But our belief is it's foundational. I think every organization should think about how do we create a culture of optimal, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, you can't eat this or you can't, and that's not our message at all, but if you could create more foundational um, health, which is a big driver in our country today but from a healthcare cost and all the things we're, we're again, when we, when we hit COVID, I think hopefully it's a wake up call for the planet that when you don't have your health, you don't have a whole lot. And so what you're getting at is it really is foundational. It is the driver because when people don't have their health, they don't have a whole lot. Great. Well, I think we'll end on that note. So Thanks for answering some of my questions and, and, you know, some of the popular questions we've had. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. Yeah, same. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next time.